0: Growth Igniter's Radio, Episode 21. What can you do to stay entrepreneurial as your company grows? This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris.
1: I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott.
2: Hi, Pam. It's great to be here with you, as always. And if you out there are listening to Growth of Radio for the first time, The purpose of our series is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So, Pam, what's up for today?
1: Well, as you know, we've been talking with some successful CEOs lately who've been asking us questions on the issue of how do we keep the entrepreneurial energy and spirit of our company alive at a high level as we're now in, well... I call it adolescence, and on the way to the next level of growth. In fact, you know, it's funny, even large company leaders express this same interest. They want to be entrepreneurial, but in a good
2: way. Okay. So in this episode, we're going to share our thoughts on this topic, which sometimes comes out as a question about growing pains. We're in growing pains. We want to grow, but stay nimble and alive and have a lot of innovation. So Pam, what is your initial answer when someone asks the question, how do we stay entrepreneurial and keep our growth going at the same time? What do you mean by entrepreneurial? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good response.
1: Well, you know, One of the biggest challenges for accelerating transformation, and we talked about that in one of our previous episodes, comes from the need for clarity. And it's easy to mistakenly assume that we all mean the same thing when we're communicating, and we don't. Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurial is one of those words. In fact, I looked up the definition for entrepreneurial just out of curiosity. Okay. And I came up with about four different variations of it. It depends on whether you mean risk, do you mean definitely for money, or is it a spirit? Uh, There were all kinds of different definitions. Structure of leadership. Structure of leadership. Mm -hmm. All entrepreneurial kinds of concerns it's not just a question of wordsmithing but it's really a question of what do we really mean
2: and if we have apples and oranges of understanding in our company especially as we're growing and adding people Uh and structure you can get into a lot of trouble if you say we want to be entrepreneurial around here and i mean one thing and you mean another
1: Yeah. You know, a story that comes to mind is working with a company and uh, there were some challenges. They were growing, they were successful, as the companies we're working with always are. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, there were some real difficulties between the CEO and the human resource department because each of them would say, I don't understand a thing they're saying. Those people. (laughs) Those people. (laughs) And uh, the HR people would say things like, that CEO, uh, I mean, he keeps talking about fire in the belly, fire in the belly this and fire in the belly, and we don't even understand what he means. And... I went over and I spoke with the CEO and I was saying, well, so how do you think things are going? And, you know, we got into a lot of different uh, issues and he said, there's one thing that's really bothering me and it's those HR people. And I said, what do you mean about those HR people? And he said, I can never understand a thing they're saying.
2: And they don't have fire in the belly. And they
1: don't have fire in the belly. You know this story. And I said, okay, well, I don't know what you mean by fire in the belly. Tell me what you mean by fire in the belly. He said, I have a definition. I wrote it down. And he goes over to a drawer, and he pulls out a printout, and he has all kinds of definitions written for all kinds of things. And fire in the belly... Is one of those. And he shows me, he goes, here, here's the definition. And it doesn't really matter what he meant for the purpose of this Mm -hmm. discussion. But the point is, he'd actually written it down. Do you think anybody else knew what he meant? So he
2: hadn't really shared this. Not at all. He he wrote it down for himself and wasn't communicating what he meant.
1: That's right. And he'd internalized it.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And... It was... Recipe
2: for frustration.
1: It was. And eventually we brought people together and they were able to start communicating and it made a big difference. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what you mean. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, so this is, I think, the point you're making is that if we're talking about we want to grow and put in structure and, and really support our growth so that we're serving our customer base and our market, but we also want to see entrepreneurial... It's so important that everybody have an idea of what that is, what the outcomes are, uh, the values and beliefs that are driving the entrepreneurialism, boy, it's easy for you to say, and uh, how that's going to manifest, you know, what the behaviors are, what, what do people expect to see as business outcomes, and how it plays out in how people interact, how people interact with the market, how people... Uh, innovate and so on. And
1: also how things get done. Let's not overlook that. That's right. So it actually has a structural meaning Mm -hmm. as well.
2: Okay. So it's really important that we have that sense of commonality. That's right.
1: And it's really the foundation. I mean, we have to be very clear when we're talking about being entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. that everyone, especially at the board level, at the CEO level, at the C-suite level, that all of the people who are accountable for strategy Mm -hmm. and finances are in sync with
2: this. So the people don't get the impression that growth is the enemy of entrepreneurialism. You can either grow and become big and have structure, or you can keep that, you know, that kick them out spirit and so on.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly right. It serves as a foundation for how you shape the culture really
2: going forward. All right. Well, the uh, example that comes to mind for me is uh, the company that was going through growth. And uh, the CEO called us in and said, you know, the board is pressuring us to uh put more structure in and really have these financial outcomes and and so on but you know I want really to keep innovating and they're saying no you're spending too much on innovation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know we have to grow and if you spend too much on innovation you're you're not going to gr- we're not going to have the the financials that we need and the CEO is saying well you know if we don't put our resources into continuing our innovation pipeline you know, we'll go from being a leader in this area to just servicing what we already have. And I'm afraid we're going to peter out and eventually we may grow, but we're going to lose our specialness. So I think that's, is that what you're talking about?
1: Exactly. It goes back again to... The idea of what it means to be entrepreneurial is not just a cultural Mm -hmm. discussion, of course. It's also a strategic discussion. It's a discussion. Very much strategic, yes. It's a discussion that has to take place often. Mm -hmm. And at every level. Exactly, at every level. And it sets the foundation for what happens next next and especially as you shape the culture. And in our next section, we're going to talk about that. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we will discuss more about how to stay entrepreneurial as your company grows. Stay with us.
2: You are listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. And if you like what you're hearing on this episode, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 21, and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. Use hashtag growthigniters. This will help us extend our reach to all of the people who can benefit from this series.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me. And Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are talking about how companies can grow well into and even past mid-market size while still having that strong entrepreneurial orientation.
2: Okay, so let's talk about the challenges and practices of shaping an entrepreneurial culture and operation as a company grows.
1: I have one thing I want to make sure that we clarify here, and that's that a culture exists from day one. It exists whether you consciously shape it or you don't. I still remember talking with somebody who is the CEO of about, at the time it was about a $5 million company, and I said, tell me a little bit about your culture. And I expected to hear all kinds of things, and he said, actually, I haven't gotten around to putting one in yet. (laughs)
2: <laughs> We're too entrepreneurial here. No, We don't have a culture yet.
1: That's right. Ah. And to that, I say, you have a culture the moment that you go into business because to me, culture is, it comes with being a person. Mm-hmm. It comes from all of your values and your beliefs and the way you go about doing things. So you can be a gang of one and have a culture. It's really about whether you're shaping Mm -hmm. the culture, and that's really what he meant. I mean, I understood that, but it was just, no, we don't put in (laughs) cultures. You do shape them though. Yes, And the shaping is the thing that is the trickiest part Mm -hmm. because as a company grows, we're also taken up with what it takes to grow that it's hard to catch how much a company has changed over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it with my own company. I, I saw it when you joined me. That's You right. know, things changed for us. You know, when you came in. Yes. And so, on a larger scale, it happens because there are all kinds of things that happen. New customers come in. Right. New technology comes in. Uh, Systems
2: and processes.
1: Exactly.
2: And above all, if you're growing in your organization, whether you're taking on employees or you're doing more outsourcing, you've got additional points of view that are always coming in and going back to that whole point of what do we mean about being entrepreneurial and how do we keep what made us successful in the first place alive and well and kicking and yet do that evolution thing that we need to do to support our growth that's that's really important keeping the eye on the ball
1: hmm so it's really important to be able to take all of that in and mm-hmm. that requires taking a hard look at all the ways that what you're doing currently actually reinforces that entrepreneurial spirit that you've defined that mm-hmm. we talked about in the first uh, segment of this program so just as an example, mm-hmm. uh, one of the companies, another company that I was working with, this is before you had uh, joined me, okay. was very successful also, and they'd grown, and they'd grown substantially because they there was a new demand for their service. And what ended up happening for them, because it was most logical, is they had grown into fiefdoms, and each of the fiefdoms had their own norms. Mm-hmm. and because these were very forward looking people, the they had realized that they couldn't stay just looking at a fiefdom, you yeah. know, a series of fiefdoms that were si- silos. Well, silos. Okay. Okay. They could not they could not stay looking at silos, mm-hmm. that they had to do something, people needed to work across functions as right. teams. Right. And yet they saw that by making some changes, mm-hmm. They still weren't quite getting where they needed to go. One of the things when I started working with them is they were just so mystified as to why this was happening. If they'd made changes, uh, why wasn't it working out? And what we discovered together is that there were certain aspects that they were looking at, but that there were other aspects. That they were not looking at such as who are the heroes in their organization okay the heroes in their organization in this case were not the people who were working in teams they were the people who were working through those silos. Okay. And or the, the
2: the cowboys, the people who went out and you know got the business and got the job yeah.
1: They done. weren't actually even working through the silos. Now were they? <laughs> they were they were doing I that. I remember this one. Yes. Right, and so one of the things that they had overlooked was how many ways do we reinforce the culture that we're looking for? Okay and looking to establish and in fact in my book preventing strategic gridlock we talk about eight different ways and in the resource page for this particular episode uh we'll have that list of the eight different ways that culture is reinforced
2: okay very good so what you're saying is that as the company recognizes it has to grow and has to implement certain structures and and Change how things are done. You know, they have a culture and they want to change the culture to a certain extent, change some things to reinforce. Now we're larger, we have to work in different ways. They have to look at all the different ways that what was may still be hanging on because people you know, resist change. I mean, I, this is how I do it, this is what I'm used to. Or people come in from a different company different place and they say, this is how I did it, you know, back where I was. So you have to look at all those different ways that things are reinforced and done. And again, stay very conscious of what is it we want to keep? What is it we want to evolve? That's true. In fact, it really
1: speaks to the idea that we get into leadership habits. Okay. And a lot of the reasons that we do things especially when you're talking about getting work done, is it isn't always a conscious thought, okay, we want to do it this way, as much as this is the way that we do it. I mean, why do we have managers? Well... You know, because that's what I'm used to mm-hmm. in a company, we have managers. And yet Zappos, for example, right. is looking at taking away managerial titles and coming up with totally a different type of organization.
2: So here's a big company that wants to maintain its, uh, they're over a billion dollars.
1: That's right.
2: And they want to maintain their entrepreneurialism.
1: But there was a conscious thought about it. And so what I'm saying is that we get into habits of looking at as we grow and we want to become more efficient, we want to become more effective, Mm -hmm. that we are just so used to this is how we do it, that it's almost a knee-jerk reaction. And people do the wildest things. I remember going into one company and there was a person there who was weighing the mail.
2: Weighing the mail
1: weighing the mail because it made sense based on some legitimate needs that the company had many many years ago and uncle Louie was doing the mail weighing okay. because it made sense back then they had to come up with some re- reason to keep uncle Louie on and
2: but uncle w- louis wasn't there anymore <laughs> no yeah i remember you telling me about that
1: but the fact is Another, it's a habit of thought, a habit of leadership. So we have to look at whether our habits of leadership
2: Mm -hmm. are serving us well. And really, it's the CEO who really has to own this process because that is the person, the top leader is the person who really is looking at the financials, the strategic, the operational, has all of that. That's the person who really is, is accountable for making sure, for instance, silos don't take hold and keep hold and lock things down and things stay coordinated as, as growth and that the things that they really value stay getting reinforced in the right way.
1: Culture should be owned by the CEO. Absolutely. And yet in companies where there are boards, yes. the board also has an ownership of what's happening too although it is oversight.
2: Okay, well that makes sense.
1: So what we're really talking about is the importance of making sure that once you've identified what entrepreneurial means in your company, making sure that you are looking at all the different ways that being entrepreneurial as you define it is being reinforced or is being blocked. And then you're in a position to do something more about it. And we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what exactly you might be able to do to start addressing staying entrepreneurial as your company grows. Stay with us.
2: Is listening to Growth Igniter's radio providing you with new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas you can use to take your company to its next level of success? If so, imagine how much more you and your company could get from a highly customized in-person Growth Igniter's event on this topic as part of your next company offsite. Go to GrowthIgnitasRadio.com, click Contact Us at the bottom of the page, and we'll get back to you to explore how we can best help you achieve your most important goals.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking about how it is possible to preserve a company's entrepreneurial edge, even as it gets to be a larger organization.
2: So now, Pam, let's get down to specifics. We talk about some of the ideas about balancing entrepreneurialism and growth. How do people actually do that? What's the first thing that you'd recommend?
1: Well, remember how we talked about creating a common definition of what it means to be entrepreneurial? Sure. Well, that needs to be the first foundational thing that one does as a regular part of strategic thinking and planning. All right. And too often it's left off because there's a lot to do and we're not thinking about it. But again, if you think about how much can happen even in three months time, making it a part of regular strategic thinking and planning makes a lot of sense.
2: Okay, and so you want to communicate this with your organization, obviously, uh, new customers, new employees, outsource providers, and so on, and making sure that people have an idea of what behaviors do we want, what outcomes are we having, and having this all guided by the strategy, so making sure that people understand what are our strategic objectives and how are they evolving as, as we grow, and what is it that we need to keep our eye on as we continue this growth. I know that uh, some people uh, as they grow, uh, some companies as they grow, as you said, they start to really hyper-focus on, well, this this is my accountability, this is my job, and I've got to really do this. And that's why some people have said, well, structure and process and bureaucracy stifles entrepreneurialism. It's because people sometimes lose track of all the aspects of the business that are important. Being customer focused, being flexible, watching out for where things are going and not just where they are right now and and how I get my job done. And so having those conversations, this is very, very important. Not always easy.
1: That's true, but very worthwhile. I mean we've talked about it before when you ask people why are you doing what you're doing and how does it serve the customer and how does it serve the mission and the vision of the company that helps with clarity okay because sometimes people will say i didn't realize that i was doing this that's something i don't need to do anymore
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: yet you have to stay coordinated so that's the first thing
2: what's the second
1: second is going beyond just saying what we want to do, and what we want to see mm-hmm. is to actually go back and look, take an audit and find out how many ways what you're looking for to have happen is actually being enforced in the culture. And I talk about that being cultural advancers and blockers in the okay. book. And I talked about how this shows up we have to make it a regular practice to take a look outside of ourselves. And sometimes this means pulling in someone who's not just us, but an outside expert who can see all of these different ways.
2: Okay. So getting that perspective, because we get locked into, we think we're doing a good job and we, and we think we're moving along the path, but these, these weird things pop up and we don't quite understand why people are not doing things the way we we thought they should be done. So you're saying that having a perspective and getting that outside edge or advantage of outlook can really open up those conversations. That's
1: right. So what you're doing is you're looking at what you want to see happening. You're also looking at, is it happening? Right. The third step is looking at why what you're seeing happening or not happening, why it's happening. Because there's always a reason. There's always a reason. Even though
2: it doesn't seem sensible sometimes.
1: And the thing that is most dangerous is to assume that we know why Uh, it's happening. Because there can be multiple reasons. As I had said in the example with uh, Uncle Louie weighing the mail, it didn't make sense, but it did. There were reasons why that had been put into place. Mm-hmm. There were reasons why it was continuing. And people had to step back and say, is this something that we still want to do? Is it important? In this particular case, they decided no. And in the discussion that we were having earlier about whether the company was going to invest in innovation mm-hmm. in a same way that they had been, right. and looking at, well, what is it that we want to see happen? Again, they were doing something, very really. They were investing in innovation at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And they had to decide, well, do we want to? And why are we continuing to do this if we don't want to?
2: Yeah. And in, the, in that particular example, uh, the board and the CEO got together and decided to continue to invest in the the costly at that point, the costly process of innovation and product development. And in looking back now uh, over a couple of years, it's really done them well, and and they're Mm -hmm. far more profitable than they were at the time.
1: So what we're talking about oftentimes is reconciling. So that's what all of this looking at Mm -hmm. and looking at the reasons why... Uh, really is, is because ultimately we have to come up with why is it happening and what are we going to do about it and reconciling it and coming up with what, what we're going to do
2: going forward. So what you're really saying, Pam, is that growth is not necessarily the enemy of entrepreneurial spirit, but that it has to be shaped, cultivated very carefully, and it has to come from the top so that all the pieces fit together properly.
1: And we have to look at it frequently as we continue to grow because life changes, circumstances change and the business environment changes. Couldn't say it better myself. If you have questions related to today's episode or any episode, go to open conversation with us at the bottom of the episode page. And to find out who our guest will be next Wednesday, go to growthignitersradio.com and look in the sidebar for a schedule of upcoming episodes over the next few weeks.
2: Thanks for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out our resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 21. Until next time,
1: this is Pam Harper
2: and Scott Harper.
1: Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. So, what does entrepreneurial
2: mean to us in our company?